you for calling this home. And if this is not your home church, uh, we want you. We want you to come and be here. But uh, we don't just want you here. We, just, we want you to be a part of God's church, which is where all God's people are called uh, to be. I don't care where, it, where that's at. Just get involved in church and be there. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Galatians this morning. I hope and pray that you'll turn there with us. Today we're going to be starting a series of messages out of the book of Galatians. I know for the last two weeks I've already been preaching out of Galatians, but didn't have any uh, intention on preaching a, uh, a series of messages. It was just some things that God had shared with me, and I felt like I needed to share with you. But we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, and uh, I'm just going to read a few verses there with you. I believe I'm going to start reading at verse number 11, I think. Uh, yes, I'm going to go to verse 11. Uh, what I told you a few weeks ago, I think for the past... I don't know, a few months, I have, I have been hung up on the book of Galatians, and I've not been able to get past it. Uh, the Lord has just been wanting to show me some things, I believe, uh, out of the book of Galatians, and I'll read through it, and I'll flip it back open, and I'll read through it again. And it seems like every time that I uh, read through it, it gives me, it gives me a, different, a different insight. It gives me a different idea, a different meaning. And I hope and pray that it'll do the same exact thing for you. I challenge you, just like I did back when we were uh, going through the book of Proverbs or, or during our time that we were talking about fathers, uh, I challenged you to read Proverbs then. I challenge you to read uh, Galatians with me uh, this time as well. There's only six chapters there, and, and a, a good reader, a fast reader, can go through it just about 30 minutes, 45 minutes, uh, but you, you can have it all read in a, in a pretty quick time. And uh, I challenge you to do it. Because you will learn so much, especially if you'll uh, go ahead and uh, just decide within yourself that you're going to come and you're going to be in the midst of all this and you're going to learn right along with us. So let's go right into it. Galatians chapter 1, beginning verse number 11. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. I could just preach a message right there. One thing that we need in our... Uh, religious, let me just put it this way, our American religious culture today is we need people, pastors, preachers, teachers, who will preach what is not their own man-made ideas and preach what the Word of God says. Uh, that's why uh, I'm, I am going to be starting up a Sunday school class the first Sunday of September. I'm going to be teaching an inductive Bible study and teach you how to, or whoever comes in, I'm going to take about 15 people in this class uh, and I'll, I'll have a sign-up sheet for it and all that. But it's going to be a very, very serious, serious class. It's not going to be for people who might show up, you might not. You, if you sign up, you, you're going to show up or you're going to hear from me, okay? So that's why we're not wasting our time on it. But I want to teach you how to study God's Word because so many people just want to listen to what the preacher says, an idea or a philosophy that they think is right, or something that goes along with a doctrine that they've built their church on. Uh, they have this idea, it's kind of like build a bear. You know, you go down there and build your own bear. You stuff it with what you want to. It can be as fat or skinny as you want it. If you want it to have overalls or a tutu, you put whatever on it you want on it. And a lot of, ch a lot of churches are that way. They, they are, they are build-a-belief type churches. They build their own beliefs, not regardless of what the Word says. But I want to teach you how to actually take God's Word and look at it for what it really is. And at the end of that study, you're going to say, well, this is it. Whether you like it or not, this is what the Bible says. You either take it or you leave it. So I want to do that. I want to teach that to you. So if you want in on that, you need to let me know. So he said, I would have you know that this gospel that I'm preaching is not man's gospel. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, 
But I received it through a revelation from who? From Jesus himself. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own people of my own age, so extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And guys, don't we have this, this idea in the church world today? People are so zealous for the traditions of what used to happen, things that used to go on. You know, traditions sometimes can lead us down a wrong path that we don't need to go down. You've heard me tell this story before about the Christmas ham and how that this mom pulled this big Christmas ham out and she just chopped the end of it off. And her daughter, being an enlightened kid, I guess, said, Mama, why did you cut the end of the ham off? She said, I don't know, honey. That's what, that's what Grandma used to do, and so that's just what we do. It, maybe it makes it taste better or something. We don't know. So she said, well, why don't we call Grandma and ask her? Okay, well, she calls Grandma, and Grandma says, well, well I mean, they said, well, Grandma, why did you always chop the end of, that, end of that thing? She said, you know, I don't know, but that's what your great-grandma used to do all the time. Let's call her up. So they got on the party line, you know, and they were sitting there, all of them listening together. Grandma, why did you always cut? She said, well, I don't know why y'all cut it off, but my pan was too small. And a lot of times that's where we are, aren't we? We just look at it because that's the way someone else done it, and so that's the way we think that it's supposed to be done. A ham doesn't need to be cut off. I mean, we want to eat the entire thing, but if your pan can't fit the ham, make the ham fit the pan, Right? So we have to get to this understanding that just because someone else done it doesn't make it right or wrong, but it doesn't mean that that's how it has to be done. You see, we do things a lot different in modern-day churches than we used to do years, years ago. You have screens up here now. Some people despise those things. There's, Monday, there's some Sundays we come in here when, uh, when that technology team back there, that media team back there, they wished we never had these things because they're devil-possessed and they never work right and the sound system doesn't work right and it'll drive you straight crazy. And there's times we wish that it was just uh, the, the preacher sitting on a rock talking on a hilltop. Lots of times. Things have changed, you know, from what they used to be. But it doesn't mean that they're any more right or less wrong. It doesn't mean anything. You know, it's just, that's the way things are done. Paul is one of those guys who comes along right here in the book of Galatians and he says, you know, I used to be a certain way. There was things that I used to do. And I titled this message this morning, So Right, Yet So Wrong. So right, yet so wrong. Now, today's my confession day, I guess, and I'm a little emotional about it, but uh, I'm going to share it with you anyway, so I want you to listen because I'm not going to repeat myself. There was a time when, uh, when I, I discovered in my life that I had done something so wrong, but in the moment, I was right, and I knew I was right. There was, there was nothing wrong about what I had done. Well, Colson was just a little boy, and, and you know, whenever you're, a, whenever you're a dad, a lot of people think that Dr. James Dobson books are what teaches you how to be a parent. That's not it at all. Your first kid's the one that teaches you how to be a parent. You make all your mistakes on them. That's why they grow up saying, little brother, little sister, they always had it easier than me. Because they're, they're the ones that's going to teach you 
how to do things, what not to do, what, sh- what you should have done more. And Colson was just coming of age to where uh, he was supposed to be learning some responsibility. And he was about eight months. I'm just kidding. He wasn't. <laughs> Y'all were all like, oh, my goodness. You were wrong, you know. Now, he was, I don't know, he was probably three years old, four years old. And I was trying to start teaching him how to do some things. And this, what I was trying to teach him, and Katrina and I, was how to take a bath. You need to bathe yourself. If you don't bathe yourself, things are going to go wrong. It's just the way it is. Well, I come in one night, and uh, I walked in there to check on him. And I said, son, you took your bath? Yes, sir. But his hair was bone dry. I said, why didn't you wash your hair? He said, I did, Daddy. I did wash my hair. Instantly, Daddy, daddy syndrome kicked in. And I start dissecting this entire thing in my head. Well, he's taking a bath. A bath requires water. So I know that there's water. I know that he was in the tub because the tub is still draining. But his head is bone dry. This kid's lying to me. Radars are going off in my mind. And I'm sitting here thinking, this kid is lying to me. And I know that this boy of mine is not going to lie to me. He is not going to lie to me. Any of you daddies ever been there? He, He might lie to somebody else, but he ain't lying to me. I was like Fred Sanford in that moment with Lamont, son, I will take you out of this world. I was really wanting to strangle him. So I looked at my son and I said, son, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me the truth. Now at this point, my voice is elevated. At this point, maybe my face is red because he's lying to me. And I said, I'm going to give you one last chance to tell me the truth. Did you wash your hair? There's no doubt he's scared to death. Right? I mean, I've had people tell me before, you talk to me, Brother Joe, and I get intimidated instantly. I don't want to be that way. But sometimes people say that. And I'm looking at a three-year-old boy who knows that I will put it on him. Because it's happened before. I don't beat my kids. I'm not doing that. But I discipline my kids at home. And so he's scared. And he said, no, sir, I didn't wash my hair. I knew it. I knew he was lying to me. I knew he was. I said, son. You're going to get a spanking. He got three licks across the booty, the bottom. And, I, of course, I didn't, I didn't beat him, and I didn't draw blood or nothing like that, but I let him know that we're serious about this. You need to learn how to take a bath, lesson number one. Lesson number two, you never lie. Your parents agree? You never lie. You always tell me the truth. Even if it's going to hurt me, if it's going to hurt you, you tell me the truth. Let's get it out in the open, and it'll all be over. And so I said, son, you get in the bathtub and you wash your hair. So he draws a whole, I said, you, wa- you draw another bath, you get in there and wash your hair. I go about my business doing some things, finish up a few things that I was doing at, in the house, and I come back in there and he's already gotten out of the bathtub, he's dried off and he's putting his clothes on and his head is bone dry. And I looked at him and I said, Colson, you did wash your hair, didn't you? Yes, sir, daddy, I promise I did. And I felt about that tall. Because Colson's hair was cut really short. And uh, when he dried it off, it just dried up real quick. And I got down on my knees and I told him how sorry I was for not trusting him the first time. I was right. I knew I was right. But I was wrong. You ever been there? Some of you parents may or may not, you may not ever admit to it. You know, um, I don't know if I told you this, but. That is the most humbling experience you'll ever go through. 
And one of the most difficult things that you'll ever, ever have to do is admit that you are wrong when you knew that you were right. And right here in the beginning of our scriptures, right here in the beginning of, uh, of Galatians, Paul says, you guys know who I used to be. He said, I was, I was going and, and getting big and doing great things in Judaism. I was doing wonderful things there. And, and I had a lot of things going for me. I was excelling well beyond my contemporaries and the people that were there with me. I was moving on past them and excelling in this, this religious idea of Judaism. But Paul here is this perfect biblical example of someone who is so right and yet he's so wrong. And guys, I'm afraid today that in many of our churches around the world, across America, probably right here in Bastrop, including New Life Church, we think that we are so right in so many things. And yet, when you open the Word of God and you really look at it, you're going to find out how wrong you actually are. Not that what you're doing is wrong as in you're going to go to hell wrong, but wrong as in that's not what Jesus wanted you to think. That's not the route that He wanted you to go. You know, there's sometimes we try to say that we're all trying to get to heaven, but some of us, we're all on that same road, but some of us are going around Mary's house to get there, and we don't have to go all the way around there to get there we're doing and working and going and you're doing a good job of doing all that but God really wants you to see that there's a better way for you to get there from here now you look at the Jews way back in the day whenever they was trying to do all the rules do all the laws keep all those things that was law those were laws that God gave them God gave them, said, here's ceremonies, here's the washings, here's the dates you're supposed to keep, here are the Ten Commandments, that right on down the list. God gave them all of those things, and these people were stuck on doing them because they've been doing them since the wilderness wanderings. It's been passed down, traditional. They've been cutting the ham off. Are they going to hell because they cut the ham off? No, they're not. I'm here to tell you today that if you and I would have been living during those days, you and I would have had just as hard of a time accepting Jesus Christ as they did back then. You know how I know that? Because we're here in 2017 and not even hung on those deals, and we still have a hard time accepting Jesus. You're stuck in your ways. I don't want to get up and go to church. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. You're right. You don't. But yet in the Bible, it says that you should not forsake the gathering of yourself together. But yet we do. Is it right? Are you, are you okay with that? I mean, is, that, is, it, is it fine for you not to go to church, not to support the ministry of God? Is it okay for that? Are you going to go to hell if you don't? Probably not. I'm not judging you, but I'm here to tell you it's not beneficial for you to neglect it. And so here we are looking at Paul's life. He's looking at these people. He was someone who was stuck in Judaism. He was a religious man. He marked every I. He crossed every T. There was nothing in the law that he did not know. He was a man who was by the book. He knew the law. He knew the word of God because he was a Pharisee. He knew the law. And these people... We're simply doing what God had given them to do. What was the problem? The problem was that they had manipulated it and changed it and twisted it and began to hang laws and rules and regulations over people's head that were not biblical. 
They begin to add to what God said. And what does it say in the end of the book? Those that add to it or take away from it, may all the cursings of this book be upon their life. It's not the fact that they were doing what God told them to do in the Old Covenant. It was the fact that they were adding things to it and hanging responsibility unnecessarily on everyone else. And it made everybody else come to the point to where they could not live for God. They couldn't do it because everybody kept moving the goalpost. And there, there was no way for them to get there. How have we done that in our world today? Well, you go to, you go to one church and you shouldn't wear certain things there. You go to another church and you shouldn't play certain instruments there. You go to another place and you shouldn't say certain words there. You go to another place and you shouldn't do certain things there. And all of these things are just ideas that people have come up with to say, this is how we're going to do it. And they're building a belief on something that's not scriptural at all. Is new life that way? Probably. You know why? Because you're here. I'm here. A bunch of imperfect people in an imperfect church trying to please a perfect God. And so here we are looking at all the problems that we've got. And Paul says, all of you know who I used to be. You know who I used to be. You know who Paul was? Paul was a guy that went around killing Christians. When we think about someone killing Christians, who do we think of in modern day 2017? ISIS. We think of terrorists. And that's exactly who Paul was. There is nothing worse that you're going to find than a religious terrorist. Someone who is so convinced that they are right, but yet they're wrong. They will kill you because they believe that they are right, and you are wrong. If the Christians of today believed in their God as much as the terrorists believed in their God, we would change the world. We would change the world. But you know what we've come to in our world today? We've come to this place to where we think that God is no different than that speaker. We plug him in, and there he is. He works for us. When we turn him off, that's when we leave from church and we go on about our way. Then it's all over. We don't, we don't have to worry about him. We never think about him any further than that. We don't think about him at all. We have this conception of our, in our minds today in the religious world that God is just this being out there who spoke all this stuff into existence for our benefit so that we can do what we want to do, act how we want to act, live our life the way we want to live it, and everything's going to be okay. And we really believe that there will be no consequence nor responsibility, nor will we have to answer to him when that last day comes. Oh, Brother Joey, I don't believe that. You don't. Let's look back at the way we live our lives. Let's look back at it. Is there any responsibility for the way that we do things? Is there any, any responsibility? Do we believe that there's any consequence for the way that we live our lives? I'm not telling you that you have to live your life afraid and, and scared and all that. I'm just telling you that there's somebody out there bigger than you. And so often, we think we are so right, and we're really so wrong. Paul's a terrorist. He's a man who's going around killing Christians thinking that he's doing the right things. And yet God comes to him, Jesus Christ comes to him over in Acts 
uh, I think it's, it's Acts chapter 22. He goes over there to him, and, and he, he begins to tell him that, that Paul, you're, you're doing the wrong things. You know, Paul, well, in his previous life, he was this one, this terrorist of the day who was throwing people in jail. But guys, what you have to understand is that he believed that the Christians of that day were destroying the practices and the laws of God. He thought that the Christians were the terrorists. He thought that the Christians were the ones who were stirring up trouble. He didn't realize yet that Jesus came to fulfill the law. He didn't realize that he was still wanting to practice the old law. You see, guys, along the way throughout my Christian journey, I have discovered that in order for me to learn what God wants me to learn, I have to first unlearn what I was taught. I had to unlearn what I was taught. Brother John McGregor was my pastor for years. He's still my pastor today. I've listened to many preachers come up and, and listen, listen to them as I was growing up. But whenever I wanted to learn what God wanted me to learn, I had to quit comparing everything to what I was taught. And if you want to learn what God wants you to learn, you need to be willing to unlearn what you think you know. We cannot Begin to, we can't begin to look at this word and to shape it and mold it and make it by what some man has taught you. Even with me, you can't take what I teach you and say, well, that's the gospel. And many times, friends, many times all we do is we open this up on Sunday morning. We listen to what the preacher is going to say. He might share two or three scriptures with us. I mean, I shared three today. Uh, we're, 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 over, we're over time now, right? And we take that and that's as far as it goes. And we don't ever study it for ourselves. You have to unlearn what you think you know in order to find out who God really is. So many of us think we've got it figured out and we're no different than Paul. We sincerely want to serve God, but we're going about it the wrong way. Sure, we may not be an international terrorist, but in a lesser way, we see nothing wrong with debilitating those people in our homes and putting this law over them to say, this is it. This is Christ, this is God, this is how you're going to live, or, or however it might be, just like I was doing to my son at such a young age. Debilitating him, almost paralyzed him with fear, saying, son, I'm going to give you one more chance to tell me the truth. But he did tell me the truth. I was just too stupid to realize it. And so many times, we need to open our eyes and see what God's trying to show us. Listen to what he's trying to say. We sincerely want to serve God, but we, we do it wrong. We criticize those in our relationships. We see nothing wrong with slandering people in our churches. Oh, but we're Christians, and we're saved, and we're going to heaven because we're eternally secure. But we can act like some heathens and some idiots and think that God's just okay with it. I know I'm in your business. I know that it's not popular. I know I'm saying things that, that aren't cool. Sometimes we think that we're justified, even though we're condescending, we're condemning, we gossip about people, or we tell, uh, talk bad about people. Much like Paul, we're just a bunch of people who would rather break another person's heart rather than mend that heart together. You see, guys, we've been fooled into thinking that we're so right, but yet we're so wrong. Listen, whenever you see a problem in another person's life, you see things going on in the, the person right next to you in their life. You see things going wrong in their life. It doesn't mean that they are lost. Because you see problems in another person's life, it doesn't mean that they habitually sin every day. 
because they don't act like you and look like you and talk like you and do things like you. You see, we're, we have to understand that when we see these people, we ought to be reminded of one very important factor, that we are all a part of a fallen race, and all we're trying to do is get back up. That's who we are. No matter what church it is, no matter what group of people it is, no matter what you look like, I don't care what color you are, you are a part of a fallen race, you are cursed, you live in a cursed world, and the only answer that we have to any of that is Jesus Christ in our life. The only way that any of us are ever going to get back up is through the saving power of Jesus that God offered us. It only takes a child of God one look at the cross of Jesus Christ to understand what sin does to a person. It destroys them. It destroyed Jesus. Sin took him to the cross. It's what killed him. It destroyed his physical body. And sin does the same to us. It fools us into thinking that we're right and we're justified by doing the sinful things that we habitually do. But today, you're being confronted with the truth, person. Saint of God, child of God, listen to me. You're being confronted with the truth. And you need to understand that just because you do it don't mean that it's right. Just because you habitually have done it over and over and over, it doesn't mean that it's God's will for your life. You see, we have to understand that it took the power of God to bring Jesus' dead body back to life. This was a symbol to show us that it can only be the power of God that's going to raise you from a place of self-righteousness into a place to where you glory in His righteousness. You see, self-righteousness is what causes us to be that bunch of people who think that we are right and there's nothing any preacher, any teacher, any evangelist, any person, including the Holy Spirit, can say or do that would manipulate or change our opinion about who we are. Self-righteousness. You see, friends, self-righteousness is what causes us to think that we have it and everybody else needs it. As our musicians come today, keep in mind, failure is not when you fall. Failure is when you refuse to get up again. Failure can also be whenever you choose to persecute those people around you rather than helping them. When you've fallen, a helping hand is always better than a pointing finger. Would you agree? When you've messed up, whenever things are wrong in your life, a helping hand, somebody to reach down and say, brother or sister, I want to help you up, rather than saying, look at what they've done. Look at that sleaze bag. Look at that sinner. And so often, that's exactly what we do. You see, friends, for such a long time, I lived as if I was right, but I learned that I was wrong. I learned that I was wrong. I've, I've been wrong in raising my, my son, and raising my daughter. I've been wrong in many things. And I've had to come to a place to where I understand that I'm trying to make them something that they are not yet. You see, I, I, I come to an understanding, you know, about three weeks ago, and I, I guess this has been part of my training that God wants me to see. But I, I have come to a place times, and maybe some of you other dads can agree with me here, but I've driven up and I've watched my son in the yard playing or doing things. And I shake my head and say, man, golly, what is he doing? Man. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, you, you, ought, to, you, ought, to be, you ought to be doing all this by yourself now. You shouldn't be doing that. Got holes in your socks? 
Don't you know how much them cost? No, he's 10. He don't know. But in my mind, I'm sitting here trying to make him grow up and say, son, it's time for you to get married, get a job, buy your own stuff, pay your own bills. That's where I'm at. And I'm not meaning to be there, but something inside of me is making me say, make him grow up faster, make him do this, make him do that. And I shouldn't do that. What I've come to learn this week And this is what I believe God wants me to show you. It's that we as Christians, we have done the same exact thing. We're right in our thinking, but we're wrong in our action. In our thinking, we're right because we want these young Christians to go on to maturity. We want them to quit sucking on the milk and start chewing on the meat. But never before in my life, in my Christian life, as a pastor... Have I ever seen so many people who were stuck on the milk? They don't know. They don't know the deeper things of Christ. They don't know things that they should know. It drives me crazy. But we live in a world that's busy. We live in a world where everybody wants to do their own thing. And church is just kind of a, not necessarily church. Let me back up. Serving God, knowing the deeper things of God is a secondary thing, a third thing. May even be down as much as four or five on the list because we're so busy with everything else in our lives. But, church, this is what we've done. We've come to the place to where we look at these young Christians. And even as, as I was growing up through the church, they'd say, Why aren't you doing such and such by now? I'm here. Yeah, the reason you're there is because you've been doing it for 50 years. But this one that's just come to Christ. They might be doing things a little bit different than you. But they have a sincere desire to worship God. And church, saints, I'm trying to tell you today that if we don't don't reshape and refocus our mind into thinking that these people are no different than you and me, if we can't remember back when we were 10 years old and the stuff that we did as a child, We're constantly going to be trying to force them to do things that they are not mature enough to do. We're going to expect a higher result from them that they cannot achieve. You know, I've been to these places in my life where I've been studying for a message and I, I need everything quiet. I need to study. I need to be focused. I need to have my mind wrapped around what it is that I want my mind to be wrapped around. And Colson and Kylie come through there hollering, screaming, raising Cain in the house. And during the summer times, I'm daddy daycare for my kids. So I take care of my truck when I don't have help from other folks. And I want to raise my voice and I want to say, shut up! Am I by myself? Come over there and say, daddy, 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 daddy. That's a thousand times. And I just want to say, you need to stop. Get out of the room, get out of the house, get away. But I've come in the last month or so, the Lord's really showed me that if I'm not willing to set that Bible down and put that book down long enough to take a minute or two with my kids, I'm failing. I'm failing. And church, I'm here to tell you today that if we don't get to the point to where we're willing to admit that we're wrong, even though our, our focus is in the right direction, but we're wrong in what we're doing. If we don't get to that point, we're going to lose. 
we're going to lose. And I'm here to tell you today, this isn't, a, this isn't a Father's Day message or anything like that, but I'm here to tell you today that me as a father is more important than me as a pastor. And I will, I will do what God's shown me. I'll take my time with my family before I take my time with you. Because if I lose my family, I am nothing as a pastor. You have to understand that. And you as a church, you've got to understand too. If we don't come together as a people and understand that we're supposed to shepherd people together, pull them together, and help them to be nourished as children so that they can come to be who they need to be in Christ, we can be so right, but we are so wrong. God help us today to hear what the Word has to say. I may have been bouncing all over the place like a ping pong ball. I may not have made any sense at all today. But if you don't walk away from here knowing but one thing, is that your efforts, the efforts that you make in your life and for Christ, they matter. They matter. And there are people that are sitting right among you today that don't have nearly the understanding of Christ that you have. Do not expect out of them what you know. But come along beside them, love them, nurture them, and disciple them. And help them to find out who Jesus is. Let's have a prayer this morning. Father, we love you today. And we do thank you, God, for your love and your mercy. We thank you for being so good to us. And I'm asking you, Lord, that through this service, God, that people would just come to know who you are. And not who I am or not who this church is. But that they'll come to know who you are. God, I'm asking you that you'll help all of us to realize, Father, that you're big you're a great big God and you have the ability to do things that we don't have the ability to do I'm asking you Lord that you will use us this morning in a powerful way true enough God we we might be right in the things that we're trying to do but God our methods they might be wrong We might really have a great intention of serving you. God, we might be explaining it in the wrong way. I'm praying today, Father, that you'll give us grace and mercy. Help us to realize where we've messed up. Just like I've messed up as a father. I really do want to be the best father that I can possibly be to my son and my daughter. But God, I know there's so many times that I've messed up. And I've messed up in my Christian walk too, but I'm so grateful for the mercy and I'm thankful for the grace. And I'm praying today, Father, that for somebody here today that has not experienced that grace of God, that they would experience it today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand, church. When peace like a river attended my way when sorrows like sea billows roll
you so much today and we thank you God for coming to be with us here today we thank you for the message that has gone forth Lord and we just trust the scripture that says that the word of God will never come back void that there will be things that are said and done way beyond today that will still reflect this message in the way that you moved on people's hearts father what we always pray here is that 
your Holy Spirit would challenge us to be people that we know we should be, not people who the world thinks that we should be. So, Father, please come and help us to see who you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our day, along with those that are on the Internet. Um, I hope and trust that as you leave here today, everything is well with your soul. That as we leave, that we take Jesus with us, that we don't leave him in New Life Building, that he goes with us. Remind you about Tuesday morning prayer meeting again, also Wednesday night supper is a potluck supper. We want to invite everyone to be here Wednesday night. Okay. Let's have a word of prayer and then you'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this message, Father. And Lord, as we leave this place, we just ask that you go with each one. Lord, be with them through their week and guide us through each day. For it's these things we'll pray in Christ's name. Amen.